everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our service this morning is an all-age service for harvest and will be led by our Minister Katrina. And as ever, everything we need to follow the service is both on our printed order service and also on the screen. At any time, if the little ones want to go and stretch their legs a bit and have some play, the Kelvin Suite... Thank you, Anne. Can I also just add that if you are um, a Sunday school age person rather than a crash age person or a Bible class age person or even a grown-up who would just like to do some colouring or using your hands, we also have um, a table at the back for anybody who would find that helpful as we go through worship this morning. So crash age running around over the way with a parent, anybody else who wants to do anything different than listen or as well as listening at the back. Our call to worship is one of the two readings set by Operation Agri for today and comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding, thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, Let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Our opening hymn of praise this morning, praise God for the harvest of orchard and field. We stand, if we're able, as we sing.
we come to God in prayer and at the end of the guided prayer we are invited to share in the Lord's Prayer the prayer Jesus taught his friends and to do so in whatever version and language feels the most normal and natural. So let us pray together. God of seed time and of harvest, we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ to bring you our worship and praise. As the autumn draws on and the once green leaves are transformed to colours ranging from pale gold to rich russet, we marvel at the beauty that surrounds us. As the dark earth and soil is laid bare in field, allotment, garden, and even in window boxes, we are mindful of another harvest completed. Cereal crops, vegetables, fruit and flowers. In the cosiness of this place, Warmly dressed and well fed, we offer you our thanks for all your generosity expressed in the natural world. As we do so, we are aware how easily we may slip into greed, ingratitude or unhealthy practices. Perhaps we have grumbled because we couldn't find our favourite flavour or brand of some product in a supermarket this week. Perhaps we threw away food uneaten because we had prepared too much or because we just simply never got around to using it. Perhaps we have failed to eat enough suitable food or have eaten too much unsuitable food to the detriment of our own health and well-being. Health-giving God, as we delight in the bounty of a Western harvest and recognise our own ambivalent relationship with creation, our heart's desire is to see all creation flourish as you would wish. And so we join our voices in praying for your inbreaking kingdom of Shalom, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Let us set us free to 
today we are thinking about Malawi and I just wanted to begin by just putting up a map of Africa so we can see where Malawi sits within that great continent. I have to confess I knew very little about Malawi before I started preparing for today and I still know very little about Malawi. This is a map of Malawi overlaid on a map of the British Isles to the same scale. So similar in length to the island on which we live. And as I jokingly said before the service, if we chopped off Wales and Northern Ireland, pretty much the same size. Come the revolution, maybe that will be so. <laughs> Who knows? And this is a map of Malawi with some of the town's uh, marks on it. What many of you may not know is we actually have a real live Malawian student worshipping with us at the moment and I'd like to invite you to come and join me um, and we, I'm just going to interview you very briefly because I could read about Malawi from a book and that would just well not be ever so interesting but it would also seem wrong when we have somebody who knows first-hand all about Malawi. So perhaps you'd like, first of all, to tell us your name and whereabouts in Malawi you have come from. So good morning, everyone. My name is Ali Nani Munyenyembe, um, but you can just call me Nani. <laughs> okay. Um, from Malawi, I, I come from the southern part in Blantyre. Blantyre, yeah. Yeah, the Blantyre that came from Glasgow. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I stay. Okay, thank you. And what is the best thing about your home country, the best thing about Malawi? Um, <laughs> Apart from the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, Malawi is the warm heart of Africa, and it's not because it's hot, <laughs> but it's because when you go there, everybody is so happy and welcoming, and you just feel the warmth of the love of everyone. Lovely, thank you. And can you tell us just very briefly a little bit about what church is like for you at home? Um, church is it's an interesting thing. So everybody in Malawi, like a lot of people in Malawi on a Sunday, do go to church. So it's, it's a community that is loving and that is welcoming to pretty much everyone. And it's something that everyone really wants to be a part of. And for me, it's a cozy place where I... It's like a second home. Lovely. And um, is it true that your services are a lot longer than ours? Yeah. <laughs> Very much. About four hours? Yeah. Sometimes we can have services about um, four hours. And sometimes um, there are some churches where they can have services as short as 30 minutes. When it's English service, it can be short. <laughs> we don't have much to say in English. <laughs> as you've worked out, neither do we. <laughs> That's, that's great. Thank you very much. So, so what was it that brought you to come to Glasgow? There are a lot of uh, connections between Glasgow and Malawi. Not oh. just Blanta and Blanta, but Glasgow in general and Scotland in general. So that's one thing that, that really drew, uh, drew me to come to Scotland. And um, when I came here, I realised I think there's also a bit of a character that Malawi... that I think Scotland copied from Malawi. <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other, probably, yeah. yes. <laughs> Mutual, something or other. And what is it you're studying whilst you're here? I'm studying a master's in immunology and inflammatory diseases. 
Okay, immunology and inflammatory diseases. I think that's interesting for a lot of us, actually. And um, what is it that you hope to take back with you when you've finished your studies and, and you go home? What are you hoping to take that you've learned whilst you're here? Not oh. just about your studies, but more generally. Yes. Um, so one thing that I want to take back is uh, another part of character. So one thing that I have learned, and I, I'm still learning, I believe, is uh, the desire for everyone to work hard towards something and to never say, this is the time when I stroke. Like, there's no limit. You, you continue to work towards it. Yesterday, I was really challenged when uh, Graham walked, uh, I think, the whole 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's one thing that, that I want to take back home. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. And just show your appreciation. really interesting isn't it because I think a lot of us are concerned that we don't know when to stop <laughs> so, so, so maybe you can learn something from us about keeping going and maybe we can learn from you about nope there is also a time to stop we're going to sing another song now and this is a song that was actually originally written in the 1970s which may be reflected in the language but it's a song that reminds us that the food that we enjoy comes from many many different countries thanks Paul by Operation Agri and it will run automatically. Welcome to Malawi. Come and see where we live. Our village has lots of children, many friends. To build homes, people make clay bricks. 
We love football, so we make our own ball. They take paper and then they take bags and wrap it up and up and up. We have a water pump, not taps. <coughs> Women and girls usually fetch the water. As farmers, we grow all our food. Children help too. Digging and weeding is vital. We grow lots of maize. Mothers pound it and cook it for our meals. When the rains failed, our maize died. We were very hungry, without enough food. Operation Agri helps farmers learn new ways to grow crops, so we'll have plenty to eat. We enjoy singing in choirs, and at church we praise God for good harvests. Goodbye, and thank you for helping us. So that's a message from some of the children who are helped by projects supported by Operation Angry and are able to go to school when otherwise they might not be able to. So we're going to sing again, and I think this is also a familiar tune. First the seed and then the rain. Alleluia. Operation Agri is working with the African Pastors Fellowship to help families in Malawi to grow enough food to feed their children. In 2016, a serious drought here caused crops to fail. A mother struggled to provide meals for the family. The children of Manners were suffering. During the drought season, when we do not have food, I am forced to look for temporary jobs to fend for my children. When there is none, 
my children will just stay home and cry because they are so hungry. Matthias' family were also badly affected. If the child is hungry, the child cannot do well. Many times we ended up in trouble. We have children and it is hard for children to go to school when they have not eaten. Without any kind of food, it is impossible to go to school. Hungry children scavenge for seeds, leaves, stalks, anything to appease their hunger. With poor harvests affecting so many villages, the churches really wanted to take action and the African Pastors Fellowship was invited by Pastor Lloyd Chizenga to help them. Our vision is to touch the lives of people that are not touched in the communities. Hence, this project come forth, the project which we are partnering with APF, to at least alleviate the problems of the people in the villages. APF saw that farmers needed help to cope with climate change. Their traditional way to dig fields let the soil dry out in drought and blow away. Churches rejoiced when the project started. Farmers were provided with fresh maize seed as they had none left, plus methods to combat drought. A group went for training. They learnt to dig spaced holes, not the whole field, sow a few seeds per hole with compost and add a blanket of straw to protect it. With Operation Agri's support, this training has spread to many villages, showing how to use rope to measure out planting plots and use straw as a mulch to retain moisture. They learnt the importance of dung from goats, oxen, poultry or pigs to mix in a compost heap to fertilise the crops. This one is from the old traditional farming. These crops are the results of learning how to farm using new methods. Maize is vital as a staple food and pounding it to flour is a daily exercise for women. Robster is keen to say what a difference the project has made. As you can see in this area, because of the drought, we stopped planting maize. But now we are growing our maize again, which is our staple food. And the weeds that are growing among the maize is weak because of the mulch blanket. We just pull it and it comes out easy. People were suspicious of Matthias' success. There was a rumor that came out and some people thought I was using witchcraft to get a big harvest. They accused me of witchcraft to my face, but I explained that we have been following new farming methods and that is why I have seen improvements in my harvest. Ruth faced ridicule from friends. When I was collecting the main stock and laying them on my field, my neighbors laughed at me. But when the dry spell came, my neighbors lost their maize, but I was still able to harvest. My neighbors, who used the old method of planting and growing, they are now having to buy maize while I have plenty.
My neighbors thought that collecting maize stock and laying them in the field was a lot of hard work, but my harvest was much better than theirs. I grow maize, beans, lentils, and cotton. <laughs> My name is Harry Basco. I studied the new farming methods and produced a lot of crops. Most of the Muslim people started asking me about it. We said when the trainers come, we will call you to join in so you can learn how to farm this good way. It's great that he's involving other communities. This new technique has improved my harvest and I'll now be able to sell some bags of maize and I'll be able to buy school uniform and school supplies for my children. It has improved my family's living standard. When you can feed and clothe your family, it's time to celebrate. With Operation Agri's support, they are sowing successfully in their fields and can harvest more sacks of grain. With this assurance, after work, women can relax with friends. Girls can practice their hairdressing skills. Men can enjoy the traditional game of bawu. Boys can play with their homemade football and children are well-fed and healthy. As a church, our duty is to save the communities, just like Christ saved us, because your help, your giving, is transforming the lives of many. Thank you so much. Zikomo Kwambiri. Our Bible reading is Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them, and ran there together on front from all the cities, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You! Give them something to eat. And they said to him, 
Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go, look. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. This year, Operation Agri have chosen two stories from the Gospel of Mark for us to reflect on. One that perhaps seems quite obviously to connect with harvest and the other one, not so much. The short parable with which we began our service of a person who went out and sowed seed, only some of which grew to produce a harvest, will be familiar to most people who have been in churches for any length of time. And it is usually interpreted as a cautionary tale about the responsibility of hearing and responding to what we learn from Jesus. But today, I suggest it's better just to hear it at face value as a story about the realities of farming. Even in our own sophisticated, mechanised, scientific Western agricultural systems, the same things can happen. The farmer does their work, they prepare the ground and then they go out and sow the seeds and they have to wait to see what will happen. In our own country, late frosts can kill off young shoots. Heavy rain or drought can destroy a harvest. We've had plenty of warnings about what this year's weather might mean for us and food prices in our supermarkets. It's also true that hungry birds may devour the seed where it lies. And if you live in the countryside, you'll see the, the birds following 
the, the harvest, snatching up dropped seeds. Insects can chomp their way through the leaves. It's a risky business being a farmer, and perhaps the more so in remote places where the kind of infrastructure we take for granted in the West just simply isn't present, as we saw on that video in some of the distant um, village communities in, in Malawi. And of course, in other countries, there aren't the same government subsidies and grants that our farmers in, in the British Isles enjoy, at least to some degree. So a story that reminds us of the reality of the fragility of growing food. The second story, the account of feeding of 5,000 men and quite possibly an unspecified number of women and children beyond that, is another one that for most of us is very familiar. The fact that it's in all four Gospels, and is one of the very few stories that is in all four Gospels, suggests it's a really important one for us to think about. What I'm going to share today is informed very much by the material supplied by Operation Agri and an exegesis that was um, provided by a chap called Ralph Hanger, who is a former director of the African Pastors Fellowship. So these are thoughts that have their roots firmly in Africa. In Mark's chronology, this event happens very soon after the death of John the Baptist. And it's entirely possible that Jesus is still grieving the death of his cousin and also starting to become aware of the reality of the risks if he continues his own ministry. He's also just sent out the 12 to do their first bit of work-based learning. He's sent them out in twos to go and put into practice what they've learned. And they've just come back and they are full of stories about what happened Nothing very much detailed to tell us what, because this is, after all, Mark's gospel. But they seem to have got stories to tell, and they're undoubtedly tired, and they undoubtedly are feeling different emotions. They might be excited, they might be inspired, they might also be tired, they might be grumpy, we might be unhappy, we don't know. But definitely tired and probably emotional. And Jesus realises, actually, do you know what? What we need is some space for ourselves. Let's get into a boat and go off and spend some time apart and have a rest. Unfortunately for Jesus and his followers, his immediate followers, the 12, they get spotted. And word gets out and people head off, passing on the message. And by the time they arrive across the lake there is already a huge crowd waiting for them. I don't know how that felt, but I know for sure I wouldn't have been best pleased if I was one of them. But Jesus saw these people and he thought, you know, they're really lost. They're like sheep with nobody to guide them. And so he set aside his own needs for a bit of peace and quiet and that of the disciples, and he began to teach the people. And Mark, for all his very zap pow in the style of his, his gospel, he doesn't give us any, doesn't waste any words. This goes on a long time, and it gets late. And I kind of imagine that the sun was dropping down to the horizon, and people were getting a bit cold, the chill air was coming in. Maybe the dew had come down, and the ground was a bit damp to sit on. 
And then everybody realised that their tummies were rumbling. And the disciples, the 12 of them, probably sensed some of this. And they, they went up to Jesus and they said, why don't you just tell them to go away? Just go to the nearby villages, go to the farms and get yourself some food. But Jesus said, no. What he seems to have been saying in the mind of the, the guy who wrote the exegesis is, look, it doesn't matter that you're tired and hungry. It doesn't matter that I'm tired and hungry. That doesn't mean we can just tell all these people to go away. Actually, the fact that we are tired and hungry means we understand how they feel, and so we should care about them. And so he says to his 12 disciples, what will you sort it out? These people are hungry. You've recognised they're hungry. You do it. <laughs> now, if I'm tired and hungry and emotional, I probably wouldn't react too well to that. And I do wonder if, at least inwardly, they grumbled a bit when he said that. And they look around, and, and it's just too much, isn't it? They couldn't do this. So there's crowds everywhere, people everywhere. And they say, do you know what, Jesus, have you thought about what this is going to cost? It's just too much. And I guess we can all sometimes feel a bit like that when we look at situations that we want to respond to. It's not that we don't want to respond, but we look out and say, it's too big. It's too complicated. I can't do anything. And Jesus goes on demanding this of us. Sometimes I suspect even the international aid agencies look around at the size of the problems that they want to address and think, do you know what? It would be so much easier just to walk away. Then Jesus speaks to them. He says, well, actually, do you know what's out there? Do you know how much bread there is? Go and, and take a look. And of course, they discover there is a boy who has five loaves and a couple of fish. Interestingly, in Mark's version of this story, nobody goes, well, well, you can't do anything with five loaves and two fish. Simply, they take it to Jesus. They say, well, this is what we've got. Over to you. But he tells the disciples to get the people to sit down in groups. Groups of 50, groups of 100, and in a very rare bit of detail in Mark, on the green grass, which suggests it was quite lush grass. And I wonder what they were thinking. They're already tired, they're already hungry. Jesus has been teaching them all sorts of stuff, which has been fascinating, and now he's telling them to sit in groups. What's that all about? And the disciples know that that bread and fish that they've been given while it might go some way towards feeding part of one of the groups, but hey, what else to know? Should they perhaps have gone to see if anybody else had some bread and fish? Should they have checked more closely? Should they go off and buy food? But Jesus is happy with what's offered. He prays a prayer of thanksgiving and they begins to give out the bread and the fish. Now, how it happened, we will never know. 
maybe it was a genuine miracle. Maybe that bread just kept going out and out and out and out and out. Or maybe other people thought, well, yeah, actually, I did have a bread roll in my pocket that I was just not going to share. And they began to share it. Or maybe other people who the disciples hadn't reached had food. It doesn't matter how it happened. It did happen. And everybody got a decent tea. In fact, everybody got such a good tea, there was food left over, and they managed to fill a dozen baskets with the leftovers. No idea where the baskets came from either, but hey, let's not worry about that. There is this sense of abundance that came out of something offered. Now, my experience and the experience of organisations like Operation Agri is you can't just give £10 and God will magically turn that into a million pounds overnight without anybody doing anything. Neither do crops just suddenly appear fully grown in a dry, dusty land. But when a few people begin work in faith, maybe giving a few pounds to a specific project far away, something does happen. Because hope is stirred where perhaps there was despair, disillusionment or doubt. And when people see something good is happening, they start to join in. Did you notice a little bit in the video where one of them spoke about the Muslims came and said, well, well what is this new thing? We'd, we'd love to be part of it. And they said, come and join us. We have something to share. Join in with us and, and improve your harvests too. So people begin to flourish and to join in and to share what they have. Healthy children go to school. Everybody learns new skills. Parents perhaps have an opportunity for education they wouldn't have had before, and so on and so forth. And yes, it is quite easy for me with my Western, slightly feministized head to look at the video and think there's some awful gender stereotypes in there that the boys do football and the girls do hair. But actually, it's about flourishing, isn't it? It's about boys and girls being allowed to be boys and girls and parents being able to enjoy their families. And whether it's far away in Malawi, where the word of aid agents, work of aid agencies and mission partners brings finances to, to these people, or whether it's even here in Glasgow, that metaphor of the packed lunch shared seems to me really important and it has the potential to cascade out to many others. When I read the story again this week, one of the things that struck me is the 12 disciples. We know they were tired, we know they were hungry, we know they had been out working hard on this new thing of serving Jesus. And yet they set aside their time for relaxation and their needs to do what Jesus asked of them. Of course, without the small boy with the picnic, who we usually focus on, it wouldn't have happened. But without those disciples each playing their part, it wouldn't have happened either. Those who give the small bit that they have and those who take that small bit and share it are both needed for the miracle to occur. 
So today we are invited to be like the little boy, to hand over the little bit that we have and to dare to hope that that's going to make a difference. And Operation Agri will take the role of the disciples. They will do the practical organising to make sure those gifts are distributed effectively and efficiently to those in need. And the baskets of leftovers? Well, maybe that's the hope, the joy, the love and the dreams of those who, having been blessed, can now use their surplus to bless others, wherever that may be. In Malawi, or here in Glasgow. We're going to sing a hymn that uses a Malawian tune. Come, let us walk this road together.
Let's pray together. And we pray for the work of Operation Agri using the words they have provided for this purpose, which are based on the parable in Mark chapter 4. A farmer went out to sow. We pray for farmers in Malawi working hard to feed the family. Birds came and ate it up. We pray for those who lost crops to pests and insects and are struggling to recover. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched. We pray for protection from drought and that farmers will use new ideas to nurture plants. Thorns grew up and choked the plants. Help people to keep on top of weeds and other problems of daily life and not to give up. Other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60 or even 100 times. We praise you that many now have good harvests with plenty of food and a surplus to sell so that they can support and educate their children. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Bless the church leaders who help run the project and encourage people to trust in you, Lord Jesus. Help us to hear you speaking and to bear good fruit as we too seek to follow you. Bless the work of Operation Agri and help people to hear you, your call to come forward as supporters and trustees, helping spread the news of this work and to continue the work of Christian love in action. <coughs> we pray for the churches of our Union of Baptist Churches in Scotland that have been nominated for this week. For the large and expanding church at Newton Mans. For the church in Oban as they prepare to share in an Alpha course and to consider redevelopment of their premises. For Paisley Central, serving the area close to the University of the West of Scotland. And for People's Baptist Church, as they contemplate the possibility of obtaining a permanent base in a new part of the town. Bless them in their endeavours to serve you in their unique contexts and help them to grow in faith and love. From our own prayer diary, we pray for Lilia Spassant, giving thanks for her faithful service to this congregation and to the wider Baptist cause over so many years. Bless her with the love of family and friends and your deep peace for the challenges brought by each new day. And we pray for Marit and her fiancé Tom as they prepare for life together, that the love they already share will deepen with time and that they might flourish as the people you have made them to be.
please accept all our prayers, showing us how we may play our part in the outworking of their fulfilment. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God who takes small, takes small things and enables them to be multiplied mightily. Accept our gifts of money and show us how we may play our part in their multiplication in bringing good news here in Glasgow and throughout your world. Amen. So we sing our closing hymn. Praise God, who has guided hour by hour from small beginnings by his spirit's power, the work of Operation Angry. This is their, their hymn. So we're going to sing this to close. Thanks, Paul.
God the Creator bless the work of Operation Agri and especially the projects in Malawi. May God the Redeemer bless all who work for the good of others, wherever they may be. May God the Sustainer bless and uphold us as we seek to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, now and always. Oh.